Welcome to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. And now, here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you here on 1450. The Sports Buzz, the week is flying by. I can't believe it's already Wednesday. Uh, we're going to have a fun show to talk about. Uh, plenty plenty of, of topics. Trevor, yesterday we spent a big chunk of the show talking about John Calipari and potentially leaving to go to the NBA. We talked about three jobs that really might jump out uh, and stand out to him. Sure enough, a few hours after our show, we hear about John Calipari potentially getting a raise from Kentucky. Well, just like how Christmas Day falls Christmas Eve, once the day the Calipari rumors began, it's followed exactly by the extension of John Calipari at Kentucky's contract. It, 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 you're right. It, it is. And I remember, it takes me back to a nice little debate. I, w- I want to say maybe it was after the 2010 season, uh, where Kentucky, John, after John Calipari's first season at UK, and, and they go to the Elite Eight, they probably should have went to the Final Four, maybe should have won the national championship. And they gave UK, they gave John Calipari a raise. I'm pretty sure it was after that season. Maybe it was 2011, but I think it was 2010. thought he got one so, after every season except the NIT year. I, I really think it probably it, you're probably right, um, but he so he, he has gotten a lot of one he has gotten a lot of raises and and this and that. Uh, but the point is, I remember after his first one, James Pennington, who has written for a bunch of different websites and, and some papers in Lexington, and now he's moved to Nashville and moved on to uh, bigger and better things. Uh, he was telling me uh, we got into it on Twitter, and he's a friend of mine. But he was talking about how that is stupid for them to do that after the first year because now you're, Kentucky was setting themselves up where they were going to have to give him a raise after every time he did something good or after every successful season or any time the NBA was mentioned with him. Uh, and I argued, well, if that's the case, then so be it. That's something you can, if you're UK, then give him a raise after every year. Money's probably not that big of an issue to UK basketball. And if John Calipari continues to be successful, then you need to continue to pay him. Well, it turns out that James was right, Trevor, in the sense that after every successful year, John Calipari has gotten a raise. This is, like you said, been an annual tradition just like Christmas, uh, just like you mentioned yesterday where his name being brought up with NBA teams is an annual tradition. So uh, he continues to, to get contract negotiations. Now, although we know that James was right way back when, the question is, Trevor, am I right? Should UK continue to give John Calipari raises every year uh, to keep him happy? I don't know if there's really a wrong or right answer in this because, and not to sound like the Louisville hater on the on the Big Blue Nation radio show, but I, from someone who saw Petrino sign a 10-year deal, getting an extension does not make you warm, get warm and cozy in bed thinking he's going to be back guaranteed. I mean, he's going to be here until 2022. It's almost just kind of like a way of saying, okay, we know you're you want a place to go to the NBA. We're going to give you more money now. Hopefully, you will continue to stay with us and not keep teetering with the NBA. Because I don't know how much more the threat of going to the NBA can get more money out of UK. I mean, do you really need to even use that as a as a as a as a blo- as a, as a negotiating block at this point? I mean, can't you just say, "Hey, I we we went thirty eight and one. Can can I can I get an extra eight million dollars?" Well, it's if you're John Calipari, I mean, you probably are sitting back, you have your feet up, and you're loving every second of when your name is mentioned to going to the NBA. And 
we've talked about on the show before, Trevor, about Rex Chapman mentioning John Calipari going to the Lakers on the night of the national championship night in 2014. No UK fan will ever forget that. But I've talked about how that was a seed planted uh, by somebody close to John Calipari. Now, it's not me saying that John Calipari planted that seed intentionally, but every time his name comes up with the NBA, he has to love it because, one, he knows either, yes, I'm probably I'm going to go to the NBA or I'm not going to go to the NBA. He already knows that. Or he's thinking, if I can find the right situation, I'll go. So getting this contract is not like you mentioned. It's not going to change him leaving one way or the other. It's not going to really keep him to stay anymore. It's not going to make him feel obligated uh, to, to be more loyal to Kentucky because, let's be honest, if, if he wants to leave, he's done enough at UK where UK fans can't be bitter or mad about it. But he's getting more money every year uh, without really having – it's not like he's asking for it. He's just – UK's giving it to him to make him, I guess, maybe feel a bit more compelled to stay. But I don't think that's going to be the, the staple that keeps him at Kentucky. Well, it's so, like a relationship, though. You don't you don't give a girlfriend a present just because you want to convince her to stay. She doesn't ask for it, but you're giving it to her in hopes that you know she wants to keep dating you. And that's a, a, a decent – analogy now but you don't because you're a stud and i'm sure you don't have to give a woman anything to keep with you but me on the other hand is we've learned i've got to buy her a car well it, no that, that's that's certainly the the former certainly is untrue i can promise you that uh you you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it but uh you know hannah's kind of a she she likes nice things i'm only i'm only kidding but well, watch out okay she's listening i'm only kidding um but it, Hopefully, in in relationships like that, if you want to continue using the relationship analogy, they don't need nice things. That there is just the the will to want to be there and to feel like everything you are com- you're content in the situation that you're in. And John Calipari might feel that way to the point where he probably doesn't need to make more money. Uh, if Kentucky didn't give him the contract extension, I'm sure that he probably. If he were going to go to the NBA or stay, it wouldn't change one way or the other. I think he knows what he wants to do. And, and and to me, John Calipari wants to be the coach at UK. He wants to stay at UK. Now, does that mean he doesn't have one job circled in the NBA where he says, okay, if this one opens up and this situation's right and they're going to offer me enough money, I'll go? He might, but I don't think he has five or seven jobs circled. I think it might be one or two, and it has to really and truly – be the perfect situation. Now we talked about in the air yesterday, are some of these jobs that are going to open up, or I guess that are opened up and may open up later, are those the perfect situations? My answer is not perfect. I don't know if there is a such thing as a perfect situation in the NBA, uh, especially when you've got the, the, the coziest job, and well, not the coziest, because there is a lot of pressure about being UK's basketball coach, but you've got one of the best jobs in college basketball. You have the most resources. You make a, a ton of money. Uh, I. Long story short, I don't think he leaves. Maybe the Cavs job would be the one where he really feels compelled to go if that job opens up. Uh, time will tell. And he's not going where this offseason. Let's let's you you can rest assured, Kentucky fans' extension given or not, he was. If he wasn't going to be offered the Thunder job, then there's no job that's going to open up between now and the end of the NBA season next year that will entice him to go because it, ha- it would have to be a LeBron team job or an Anthony Davis team job or something a job that's going to have 
a top five player on it that gives him the opportunity to be win right away. And those jobs aren't going to be open in this offseason. No, it, it's I I agree. And and I, I tend to think that he is going to stay this year, but it will be interesting. Captain Arctic agrees, says everything has its limits. Sooner or later, it's not about money. If he wants to be here, he will be here. And that's the that's the truth. And this isn't I, Bettino. This is well, Bettino was a little bit with Boston too. But this isn't. No one's going to throw unless they throw like twenty million a year at him. It's not going to be as much about the money in terms of his departure to Kentucky. I mean, someone gives me someone says we're going to give you twenty million a year. He's probably going to leave and be willing to coach. You know, the the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers as of now. But no one's going to give that much money, and no one's going to offer an abundance enough of money. It's going to be so much more than he makes at Kentucky already. That's going to be like, okay, I'm willing to take a crappy NBA job. Because they're offering me so much money, it's that's not going to happen. That it would happen in his first tenure, or if he'd never been to the NBA, maybe, but not now. He's he's older and mature. He's been down that road. This isn't his first rodeo. Yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing. Like I said, it has to be a perfect situation, and I, I there might there might be one out there in his mind. There might be something in his mind where he thinks, you know what, if this opens up, and again, the money's right, doesn't necessarily have to be twenty million, but it, it probably he's not going to take a pay cut to leave Kentucky. But if the situation's right, then I'll go. Now, the ch- again, the chances I think that that perfect situation actually does come to fruition, slim to none, I don't think it's going to happen. So uh, he, it, his current deal, it goes through 2022, uh, but they want to kind of restructure the deal, and the new contract would be a seven, a, a, another seven-year deal worth $54 million. And would add a, a year to the contract, so it'd, it'd really be going through 2022. Like I said, uh, the 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 original deal goes through 2021. So he he'd he'd restructure that deal, add an additional year, and it, it'd be worth a total of 54 million. Not to sound like Debbie Downer, but if he was never to leave UK, I'd be willing to bet you he would retire or even pass away with years still on his contract. If he was to keep just re-signing at Kentucky and spend his entire rest of his career at Kentucky, he would probably retire with years left on his deal. It would probably go like to 2048 or something. Yeah, he again, he could probably keep doing this every year yeah. if he wanted to do it. And it's kind of, uh, you know, good for the good for the Calipari's. You're getting to the point where uh, his son Brad's kid may never have to work. Well, definitely won't have to work uh, if they wanted to, to go that route. So... Um, he's going to be uh, a rich man. Now, the question is, if you're UK, do you keep doing this? Do you keep do- giving him these contracts? Do you keep adding more money to his deals? I say as long as Kentucky basketball has been con- the, the Kentucky basketball that we're starting to to know, and UK fans are certainly used to this now winning under John Calipari, as long as he's still being competitive and competing for a national title every year, you continue to to give him as much money as he wants. Exactly. He he he's he's pimping you. He he owns you. He, if he tells you he wants eight million dollars more, and he like you said, he's still winning in the resume he's put up. Kentucky's giving it to him. Kentucky will find a way to give him the money, and they're going to do it anytime he asks. Now, and, and here's the deal. Now, if John Calipari were to start finishing fourth or fifth in the SEC and not get out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament for three or four consecutive years, which I don't see a way that that happens with with how well he recruits. Now, if he starts to get, it, it can't just be one season. We did see the NIT year, but one season, you know, with the, with how good he's been, he could have a down season next year. And I don't think UK fans 
could legitimately have a, a fair gripe about it. Now, if he were to, if that were to happen for three or four years in a row consecutively, then you don't fire him. I, I still, I don't think you fire John Calipari even if for the next seven years uh, he's pretty mediocre. You you probably don't give him raises though. Uh, but John Calipari's as as not getting fired unless he gets Kentucky put on the death penalty. Exactly, and he's got. He's going to continue. I mean, as long as he's here, Kentucky's going to be competitive one way or the other. As long as he can keep getting talent to come in, uh, they're going to be in the conversation. And I think at the end of the day, that's all you can hope for as a as a college basketball fan and really for any sport. If your team is in the conversation for a championship, that's you're having fun. Uh, that makes the season that much more fun. And Trevor, I, I you know I know you've been around longer, but me growing up. As as a Kentucky fan, when I was in grade school and and even into high school, Kentucky really wasn't in the conversation. Uh, Two thousand three, I guess they were. I mean, they they were. I was younger then. The number one team in the country going into the tournament. I think they, they were in the conversation. They were, but I'm talking. I'm, I'm what I what I meant to say is that I that was a little bit before me actually following it like I do today. Uh, Two thousand five, I, I was at that Elite Eight game against Michigan State. But you know they were they were in the conversations those days, and UK fans had fun, and it didn't really, unfortunately, amount to any Final Fours. Which, as we've learned over the past few years, Final Fours are incredibly fun, and having that extra week to have a team hyped up and to be talking about matchups and this and that uh, makes being a basketball fan makes it all worth it, or, or is really what you hope for as a fan. But me growing up, and, and even for you, for the majority of the '90s and and the majority of the 2000s, with a few exceptions here and there, and, and maybe 2008, 2009, and 2005, when you all when Louisville went to a Final Four, this isn't the norm. Uh, what's been going on at Kentucky and even at Louisville the last few years? That's not what we're used to, really. Uh, at least what I've used, to, I, I was used to for about ten years there, and uh, certainly what you were used to for maybe two decades. This almost is almost two decades. I started watching U of L really at about '89 when I was nine, so. 2005, final 16 years before I saw my first Final Four. So the the point is, as long as John Calipari is competing like this and you're in the conversation, that's all you can ask for. Now, at the end of the day, does it have to amount in national championships? Some UK fans say yes. Those UK fans are dumb. They are. It shouldn't have to result in a national championship. Now, if John Calipari takes this year's team, goes 20 two and ten and loses in the first round okay that's not good that that deserves some scrutiny uh but they went 38 and one they made it to the final four they up they're up four with five minutes to go they're they're unbelievably close to 40 and oh you continue to pay john calipari whatever he wants as long as that's the case no ifs ands or buts about it so UK making the right decision and paying him more. UK fans also need to realize this isn't going to staple him to the university. Like Captain Arctic said, if he decides he wants to be somewhere else, the money's not going to matter. He'll leave somewhere else in a heartbeat if if that's what he ultimately decides to do. If Calipari wants an arena change, name change, they will call Rupp Arena Calipari Arena if, 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 if he so desires at some point. Yeah, they probably uh, they he probably needs one more national championship before he gets that. Yeah, kind you're of probably pull. right about that. <laughs> he probably needs at least one more before he gets that kind of pull. Captain Arctic says, "Do you think do you get the slightest feeling that Cal's mo is wearing thin on uh, Big Blue Nation and the administration?" Uh, 
Calipari is a very opinionated guy and, and fans that have been, and, and also he gets his shticks. And once he's on his shtick, you hear it nonstop. Uh, it was platoons this past season. It's been brothers keeper. It's been uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist took the fourth most shots, Anthony Davis the fifth or vice versa, whichever one it was. And he gets on his talking points and he really hammers them in. So UK fans that have been following along and following along closely over the past few years, I think you've come, and it's it's really the same way with Rick Pitino, Trevor. You, you you come to take what they say with a grain of salt. So I do think there's some UK fans that love John Calipari as a coach, uh, wouldn't want UK basketball to change in the slightest, but are kind of sick of hearing him talk in a nice way. If 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 that makes any sense, uh, they you know it, it kind of just is repetitive at this point, I suppose. If, I, if Cal I, wasn't a basketball coach, he'd have been one of the characters from the, the show Mad Men in marketing. That's what he would be doing. Uh, I haven't watched Mad Men. Well, but, th- th- he'd be in marketing in general, and he would just sometimes he just I feel like he'd be a good character off Mad Men. Well, I, I, I don't disagree with marketing or maybe even politics, but uh, as for the administration, no. Um, I, I, I think the administration's happy. It, it's making Kentucky money. It's keeping Kentucky in the conversation. If you want to talk about actual university administration, UK's enrollment's up. Uh, if you go on UK's campus, everything's new. And that doesn't direct re- immediately reflect back on John Calipari. But there, there is statistics showing that when a team goes on to win a national championship at a public university... Uh, enrollment does go up, and and more people you get more commercials, more people see your school, and uh, unfortunately there are some people that decide to go to a college just for their sports teams, and you know if that's the case, whatever. But you know I'm not pinning that directly on John Calipari, but I don't think the administration in any sort of way is fatigue has John Calipari fatigue. There might be some UK fans that do just based on his talking points because uh, he really really hammers them in. But ultimately, he's doing a great job on the court. He's still the best recruiter in college basketball. And at the end of the day, it's all about winning. And no coach has done more of it in the past six seasons than, than John Calipari. Any Kentucky fan tells me I'm sick of hearing Calipari, Calipari's speech and his, his stick. Just just look at him right, directly in the eye, TJ. Say, look at me. Look at me. Do the eye thing and say two words, Billy Gillespie. And then just drop and the mic true. and walk out. And even the, the late years of Tubby Smith. The late years but, of Tubby Smith, honestly. But Tubby, did, even though he didn't get over the hump, you mentioned 05, 03. What was the year they lost to UAB? They were the number one seed. He had years at least. He may have fell short, well short in some cases in the tournament. But they were they were championship contenders, even though he didn't get only the one ring. Trevor, the end, and I might be in the minority here. Yeah, actually, we're going to save this conversation. I'm going to I'm going to have a really hot take for you guys when we come back from the commercial yeah, break. Mitch ready. Get your oven mitts ready. If you are, you, you need to probably go somewhere where it's air conditioned, because uh, I don't want I, I don't want you to overheat. Hot take coming after the break here on fourteen fifty the Sports Buzz. Stick around. Spend my dollars, park in a holler, need the mountain moonlight. Hold her up tight.
the sports talker. Ooh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Presented by Alan Electric. I walk along the avenue. I never Kentuckyana's first and only electrician dedicated to residential repairs. Give them a call, 636-HELP, for any electrical service. Allen Electric will never leave you in the dark. And, you know, they, they, they power the sports stalker. So the least you can do is give them your business. Uh, I asked everybody to go get your oven mitts for a hot take alert. Uh, coming in hot, H-A-W-T. So we were talking. We were talking just about how John Calipari. Did you spell I, hat by the way? No, hot. H a w t. Hot. Oh, I thought you said h a t. Okay. No, no, h a w t. And talking about how John Calipari deserves this money because UK, every year with the exception of the NIT year, has been in the national title conversation to some extent, and and uh, been to several Final Fours has dominated the the SEC, at least finished top two, I think, every year with the exception of that NIT year. Uh, just been on a tear, so he deserves that money. But here's, here's the thing, Trevor, and we were talking about how, uh, since I've really been following UK, UK hasn't really been in the conversation uh, all that much. Now, I was young for those national title years back in 96 and the championship game in 97 and then Tubby's championship in 98. I was kind of young for those. But after that, Kentucky hasn't been in the conversation a lot. And you mentioned uh, some of those number one seeds, 2003. I I think it was 2004 they lost uh, to UAB. And then 2005 they make it to the Elite Eight and, and, and go to double overtime and lose to Michigan State. But after that, Trevor... For the three or four years after that, under Tubby Smith, I guess it—I guess it was probably only two to three. But the and, they, and they even you know you could even make a case that Elite Eight year was a little disappointing for Kentucky. But the end of the Tubby Smith era for me was worth was worse than Billy Gillespie. It 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 it, it absolutely was because. Tubby Smith had won a national championship. He had had those successful years at Kentucky, Trevor. And what you saw was you saw Tubby Smith get lazy. And you saw him get lazy slowly but surely. It was like a very slow-moving car accident that you saw coming uh, miles and miles away, but you couldn't stop it. It actually is kind of a fun visual, just thinking of a car going five miles per hour into a brick wall. There's, there's, and there's nothing you could do to stop it. You saw his recruiting efforts just kind of lose interest. He didn't want to be recruiting as much as he had been. And sure enough, you were used to these successful years, these years where he won the SEC and he would get really good seeds. And then all of a sudden, it kind of just stopped. And not all of a sudden, but it slowly and surely started stopping because recruiting classes were not good. He wasn't bringing in big talent anymore. And you saw the results on the court. Kentucky started to, to lose and lose big. And the, the offense was gone. Not that Tubby Smith ever played in a, a very exciting style of basketball, but even his kind of conservative style of basketball started becoming bad and conservative. 
there was that game. I, who was? It? I think it was against Alabama. I remember it. I was I, I was in Colorado for vacation. And I was watching UK play Alabama, and it was there was like four minutes left in the half, and UK had ten points. Uh, it it was just painful to watch. So while undoubtedly Tubby Smith should be honored by UK, and and I hope they can get Texas Tech in for a game before he retires for good. And, and I, I think Tubby Smith is a great guy. I've got some other funny stories about Tubby Smith that I can save for another day. Uh, the end of his time at Kentucky was worse than the two years of Billy Gillespie at UK. Even though Tubby Smith uh, never made an NIT, even though uh, Billy Gillespie was a psychopath. and Tubby and, never lost in the first round like Billy did in his only tournament appearance. You're right about that, too. He never lost in the first round. Uh, the last the last few years, he, he didn't get out of the first weekend. He was in that 8-9 game. And uh, Three you know. of the last four were second-round exits. So, although he's uh, much more successful and, and will live in, uh, you know, it should be thought highly of by UK fans, and I don't disagree with that, the Billy Gillespie years were less painful for the average Kentucky fan uh, than the end of the Tubby era. And, and, I, and I think, I don't know how many UK fans agree with that. Tubby era, the Billy Gillespie era was just crazy. Uh, I, I, it kind of reminds me of, you know, Trevor, you, you don't know this, I guess, because you're not that old, but uh, it kind of reminds me of the 70s where everybody was just, you know, doing crazy stuff, and all of a sudden you look up and you wonder what the hell happened. Uh, that, that's kind of how the Billy Gillespie era was. Everything happened so fast, and all of a sudden you looked up and Kentucky was playing in the NIT, and players were being left in bathroom stalls and forced to eat Pop-Tarts, and Darius Miller was forced to walk home from the bus, and uh, it, all of a sudden you just went, whoa, what the hell has happened here? And then he was fired. And a, as quickly as the craziness began, it ended. So that's why the Billy Gillespie error for me wasn't all that bad because it just it, everything happened so quickly. Hey, listen, you're not going to you're not going to sell me on it. I like the Billy Gillespie years as a little fan. I, I thought he should have been given another two, three more years in attempt. But I do enjoy the fact that, that someone – who sometimes doesn't want to acknowledge that the world existed before roughly 94, just made a comparison to somebody in the 70s. I just I kind of imagine how that the 70s are. <laughs> Did you watch Days to Confused recently or something, and you just kind of thought about that? Clevy116 says, You're flat out wrong on this hot take. It should be evaporated and never brought up again. <laughs> Proves you're a UofL fan, and he spelled your incorrectly, which is typical Clevy116. Are you uh, referring to me? I mean, I'm the UofL fan, not you. No, he, he he likes he likes to act like I'm a Louisville fan from time to time. Ah, I got you. Captain Arctic says, no arguments here. To me, the late Tubby years and the Billy Gillespie years were basically uh, congruent. So, it's it just with the Tubby thing, you, you wanted Tubby Smith to work out of Kentucky. You wanted him to be the next Joe B. Hall. You wanted him to... To last uh, as long in Lexington as it could, as he possibly could. He, he kind of was a Joe B. Hall, though, in terms of resume. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. They both you, won I mean, one national title. Yeah, you're kind of right. You're kind of right. That that that. But you're yeah, and and I, I've been told that the end of the Joe B. Hall days were similar. They were. Uh, so, but Kentucky fans liked him. It wasn't like they disliked him, but you just saw it happening. And you, you knew where it was all going to end. You knew that it eventually wasn't going to work out. He lost his interest in recruiting. UK was slowly slipping down the mountain 
of college basketball. It's There's funny because they're both connected by – you, you want to say Joe Behan, Tubby are similar, and then there was that small connection between a Rick Pitino, i.e. Calipari areas at Kentucky as well with Eddie Sutton and Gillespie. Sutton would have been, I think, more successful at Kentucky than Gillespie, and he was in his four years. But he also was had a little bit of a – much like Gillespie, a little problem with the uh, grandpa's uh, secret lo, uh, secret uh, elixir as well as uh, had trouble not sending cash to Chris Mills' dad. That track. Did I leave you speechless there a little bit? I, I just, I, you know, I don't. Sometimes I don't know what to say when you when you kind of throw in those little things at the end there. Well, he did. <laughs> All right. At least that's uh, what the UPS guy found, even though he had to be a UCLA alum. Anyways, so I, I would love to know why Clevy One Sixteen doesn't agree that it's a, again. I'm not when you look at it. Billy Gillespie's time at UK was obviously far worse than Tubby Smith's. It's just the expectations of both of them. That's that's where the difference is. Is at when when Tubby started to kind of stink a little bit. I guess you could say some other words. Uh, Kentucky was still thought to be a big program uh, to to dominate college basketball to be in that conversation that we've talked so much about today, Trevor. And then it just stopped. When Billy Gillespie took over, UK fans wanted to get back to where they were. It wasn't like they were at the top and they were hoping not to slide down. They were already at the bottom, and they were trying to find a way to, to get back on top. And as it turned out, you had to wait two more years to, to, to see results. Billy Gillespie, he brought his... His failures brought upon change at UK and made Mitch Barnhart, who again won Athletic Director of the Year, made him. I'm 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 really distracted right now because I have the TV on Fox Sports One. That's what you get. That's why I don't turn my TV on in here. There was well, I I have the TV on all the time, and I'm looking at Twitter. I'm very I'm a very good multitasker. But the end of this soccer match for the Champion League semifinal ended, and there was. A very, very scary-looking Italian man screaming, screaming bloody murder on TV, and I think, uh, I, I think Real Madrid might have just been eliminated, which I can would consider a major upset, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So Juventus, which is in Italy, will be moving on to the Champions League final versus Barcelona, I believe. So I, I, we'd have to get Rob Doster on here, Trevor, but I think that's a ginormous upset. <laughs> I'll, I'll text Rob at the break and ask him if that was a big upset or not, uh, in his opinion. I do have a little bit of uh, a beef with one thing you said right before you got distracted with the soccer talk when you said that at the end of Tubby Smith's era, Kentucky was at the bottom. I, 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 just, I don't think they were at the bottom. They were in kind of a purgatory, but the bottom is a little harsh, I think. They were, I, they were already not considered an elite program at that time anymore. They were twenty. They were still winning twenty games plus with Kentucky. They were still. They were eight nine we, seed. But they, we quit the twenty games thing. Winning twenty <laughs> games is not that big of a deal. Oh, it was for Billy Gillespie. He only did it once. <laughs> it's not. Well, he did it fifty percent of his years at UK. Exactly. The one year he didn't win it was the year he went to the IT, which is kind of ironically funny. I, I just don't think that winning twenty games should be. Even when he went to the NIT, he ended up winning twenty games that year because of the NIT. Yeah, he won twenty two that year. So I'm at yeah. Actually, the year he went to the NCAA, yeah, the year he went to the NCAA tournament, he didn't win twenty games. But to, I'm not saying twenty games means you you've secured yourself a, a good season. I'm just mean that's kind of the 
the, the benchmark of at least saying that, okay, we, we're, we didn't suck. And if you're winning over 20 games at least, and, and I'm, not, I'm saying 22 and 13 and 22 and 12 is last two years there, respect. When they were, what, eight seeds, I think, nine seeds. So, they again, they weren't at the bottom, like you said, but I think they were in that kind of like middle purgatory where they were like, we might be headed towards this bottom, but right now we're kind of floating in no man's land because we don't have a good enough team to really compete for a championship, and they didn't. But we don't have a team that's bad enough to say we need to completely rebuild everything. Well, you also have to remember, at least for, for Billy Gillespie's first year at Kentucky, a team had a lot of injuries late in the year. Uh, it, it he I think he was named co-SEC coach of the year his first year because uh, they were able to bounce back. Uh, it actually was a pretty decent coaching job, all things considered, uh, his first year. Second year, not so much, and, and that kind of just proved that things were crazy. All I'm saying is Tubby Smith did such a good – it would be like if John Calipari just kind of stopped recruiting and started going after three stars for the next few years. It, it wouldn't – and then Kentucky slowly and surely where you're used to final fours and you're used to elite eights and being in the conversation, like I've said so many times today. And then all of a sudden over a span of four to five years, it kind of just stopping and you have, and everybody being able to see that he just isn't interested in recruiting anymore and knowing that it was going to be the downfall of the program uh, on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, we've got Captain Arctic. Captain Arctic, how are you? Let's Harry, how are you? Oh, I'm doing just just great. Weather's perfect here. Abe's outside enjoying the fence, so I, I I'm 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 enjoying everything. Excellent, excellent. Well, I had to call and get in on this because this has always been a a very very hot topic with with me and. You know, first of all, if we go back to the beginning with Tubby, can we all agree that, you know, it, I know it's, I know this has been said a zillion times, but he did have a very, very stocked roster, and they won that title with, uh, with basically Patino's guys, and, and that bought him a hell of a lot of time. And sure. As the years went, as, as the years went on after that, what you saw is, is he had this success with these second tier guys like Fitch and Daniels and, and, and those guys who ended up being, you know, they turned out to be really good players. And there was, you know, kind of a, uh, a model that he bought into. And, and it, it just sort of, uh, it, it just sort of played its way out with, without those teams advancing very far. And then finally, he gets the blockbuster class with Morris and Rondo and Crawford and, and that was kind of a mess, to be honest. And then, at, at the bitter at the bitter end, um, what happened is, is is they asked him to make changes on his coaching staff. And the first the first people he was listing there were, uh, you know, people in the family, so and you know, Saul and others that he wanted on the staff. And that that ended up being the straw that broke the camel's back. So I think the tubby the whole tubby era was was very much a, uh, a mediocre period for, for UK basketball. And I really think the turning point came when, uh, when we could have had Chris Duhon who went to Duke and, and we had to live through the, the whole Saul Smith experience. So I know a lot of that stuff is common knowledge and all, but um, I'm really surprised that the administration waited as long as they did to get him out of there. I mean, t- 10 years is a long time. 
And I don't think we would stand for that today. No, and I agree with you. And you brought up a lot of good points there, uh, especially even when he did put an emphasis on recruiting and, and kind of would you know get off his butt and, and show that he wanted to get top talent to Kentucky because Kentucky was one of the top programs. He didn't always do a lot of great things with that with that talent and and with that monster recruiting class that he had they make it to the elite eight that year but that that was it that that class never did anything else after that uh and you know that included rondo and and morris and uh, joe crawford and just a a really skilled class they're able to make it to the elite eight and they probably should have gone to the final four that year you just i don't know if in today's Age. I, I talk about how John Calipari's era at Kentucky is unbelievable, and you're probably never going to see something like this again. That's one thing. But also, to not go to a Final Four from 1999 to 2007, you probably shouldn't have that long of a drought, uh, especially like you said. He had a loaded roster when he won that championship. He had a ton of momentum, too, after that championship. Kentucky was probably considered the cool school there. It, Kentucky was probably going to go one of two ways after Bettino left. Either they were going to keep that momentum rolling or they were going to lose it. And because he was able to win that national championship, he was able to keep the momentum rolling. And he still never really capitalized on it. Uh, he was able to even get some good players in there you know, early, but never able to do anything about it. Yeah. And TJ, you were only, you were only eight years old at the time, but don't forget, in 99, they went to the regional final. And they played Michigan State, and they got a big lead in the first half. And it looked like we were sailing again right towards the Final Four in 99. And we ended up, we ended up blowing a big lead there, and that was, that was kind of the end of it. That was, that was the end of it for you after just his second season? Well, not, not for me, but I think that was as close as we would ever get again until 2005. Um, so it, it just uh, – I think there were just a lot of – a lot of, uh, um, what's the word, uh, counterfeit, bulls, gold, whatever you want to call it, with, with Tubby and, his, and, and the recruiting that, w- that went on, and, and it just never really, never really got us over the hump. Because you're right, there was no, no Final Fours from, what, 98 to, um, gosh, I don't know, I think it was, I can't, I can't remember, but it was a long, a very long stretch there. And then, just quickly, on, on Gillespie, I, I think that was a panic hire by Mitch, um, I don't know why more diligence wasn't done and why he moved so quickly with that. Uh, that just that just turned out to be a disaster. And, and honestly, I, I still have problems forgiving for all the good that Mitch has done. I still have problems with with that particular uh, that particular hire. I can't forget about it. And the same goes for the whole coach and waiting thing with Joker. <laughs> so yeah. um, that's that's my take. Well, thanks a lot for calling in, Captain Arctic, and, and, and continue to tweet into the show. I always appreciate uh, your insight, and again, appreciate you calling in the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line. Uh, that's a mouthful. We're gonna, we need to take a commercial break. We're going to talk about what Captain Arctic says and, and more about Mitch Barnhart and, and some of his hires here on a, on a beautiful Wednesday in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back.
You're listening to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. Hey, Brian, what do you think of my sign? Quagmire's cross-country tour. Uh, isn't there an O in country? Nope. Look out, California, here I come. <laughs> Presented by Allen Electric. Giggity, giggity, giggity. Relax. We're back here on 1450, the sports buzz, and a lot to digest from Captain Artish Call. And I, I agree with him about the, obviously I've made my hot take very clear, the, the end of the Tubby Smith era should be harder, should have been harder on Kentucky fans than the two years of Billy Gillespie. Just, again, because you didn't want it to happen with Tubby Smith, but you saw it coming. With Billy Gillespie, it was kind of just, again, it, it was... Maybe a, a bit of a rush higher. You didn't necessarily know where it was going to go, but at least the recruiting effort was better. He seemed like a very motivated recruiter. Kind of made Kentucky basketball fun for that for the beginning of that one year. Now again, it was tough the next year and a half. Things weren't on the court, weren't going well. You heard about all these issues off the court, and then it was over. It, it was cut short before it could turn into something greater than that. So it just, it, it was very quick. It was quick and, and uh, it was quick and painless almost to an extent. Well, it, the excitement, it, TJ, was just the newness of having a new coach. And once that yeah. newness wore off, and it wears off quicker than others, and it wore off very quickly with Gillespie, it was, sure. as you mentioned, six months into his tenure, it was pretty much starting to head downhill right away. Yeah, and, and you know, the Gardner-Webb loss didn't help. That was on his birthday. Uh, but... You know, I think about it as the Billy Gillespie years, to me at least, and I'm sure people can differ, have different opinions, it was it was a quick and painless death for Kentucky where uh, you knew it wasn't going to end well. You knew something was going to have to change. Uh, this wasn't the answer. Where the Tubby Smith one, it just, it, it had the feel and it had the sense that you were almost being tortured as a fan, and it, it lasted much longer. Now, both of them... Uh, Tubby Smith, the last two years, didn't make it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Billy Gillespie never made it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, only went to one NCAA tournament. He was there two years. So you really have a, you really have two two-year sample sizes, although Tubby's was a bit longer and, and had a lot more disappointments throughout his career. But really, the last two years are the ones that were the ones that got him. He, he didn't get fired, but the ones that really forced his hand to to leave it just seemed like that was a long time coming where you did have the newness of a new coach new style there's new things to learn in regards to that to to billy gillespie's time at kentucky and then mitch barnhart ended it and and captain arctic is not alone where a lot of uk fans are never really going to forgive mitch barnhart he was named uh, the athletic director of the year but a lot of UK fans don't like him. Anytime that one of UK's two major sports, whether it's football or basketball, slips up and things don't go well, they want they want Barnhart fired. They want a change in in direction. Uh, they want they want this and they want that. Ultimately, I think Mitch Barnhart is a, a fantastic athletic director. Uh, you know, UK fans probably aren't going to like to hear it, but he's probably not as good as Tom Jurich. But it's close, at least, Trevor. 
It, you can have conversations about it. You can debate about it. And the fact that you can do that, I mean, Louisville, I've said, I said this last year, Louisville should build multiple statues of Tom Jurich by the time he, he leaves and everything he was, he's been able to do for Louisville Athletics and, and what a makeover it's had. But Mitch Barnhart is competitive in that sense, and I think that's really, really good in itself. And while he has made those two really, really bad hires, Billy Gillespie, a bad hire, a rushed hire, Mitch Barnhart was stubborn and didn't want to hire John Calipari. His name was brought up back in 2007. Got, got, burnt, uh, got shot down by uh, Jay Wright and a couple other people as well. Yeah, you, you you missed out on some other guys, but supposedly John Calipari would have been wanted to come to Kentucky then, and Mitch Barnhart thought that they were, you know, maybe thought the same type of perceptions that surrounded John Calipari with other ADs that, eh, he may not be clean, he may not be this, he may not be that. Uh, and, and decided to pass on him. Uh, Billy Gillespie was a rushed hire. I think you, if you're Kentucky, you never hire a coach that's going to be made into a great coach. I, I don't think in a place like Kentucky you need to groom somebody into being a great coach. I think you hire a great coach. Hey, you hey. hire somebody that somebody that that can come in from day one with already a reputation of being a very successful winner, and then you go from there. I don't think you hire a sleeper thinking that, hey, he's the ne- he's the next big thing. You just got to give him some time. That's exactly what they did with, with Billy Gillespie, and we saw how that turned out. No, UK football hires this, the up-and-coming coach, not exactly. UK basketball. It's completely – yeah, I agree with you 100%. But I do disagree with you, Tubby, a little bit, and I disagree with a lot of UK fans with Tubby and the – and this isn't me being a Louisville fan. Say, I always thought Tubby Senior was actually relatively successful at Kentucky. I thought he was a great coach. I think he is still a great coach. I just never thought it was the right mix. To be at Kentucky, you have to have a person, a certain kind of personality. You'd be bigger than the program, and that's saying a lot to be at Kentucky because it's it swallows you up. Patino, especially a younger Patino. I don't know about Patino right now, but a younger Patino. He his, he had that ego. He had that attitude. He was. No matter how big Kentucky can be and Big Blue Nation can be and how intense it can be, he was bigger than that. His ego and his mentality was bigger than that. Calipari is bigger than that. Tubby's a great coach, but he's not that kind of personality. And you saw it, it, it was it went as long as it did because he won the national title and he had the, such early success, but it just really, as you kind of said, and maybe Captain Arctic said, it, it wore on him. And it wore down on him to the point where his last couple of years, he was almost like going through the motions. And at the end of the relationship, you just you know it's time to cut ties. It's time for both ways to both people to go their separate ways. No, should be no ill feelings on either side. It's just we've had our the best that we can have, and now it's time to move on. And I, and that that's why Billy Gillespie didn't also work because one, he wasn't a very good coach, and you're right, he was kind of a quick hire. But two, he couldn't handle the the fact of being at Kentucky. It's just a different world. It's a different breed. It's a different animal. You can't. You have to be a certain type of person, and there's not many of those people out there. And Patino and Calipari are two of them. Tubby Smith and Gillespie are not two of them. I I agree with that. And you you have to be a good coach. You have to be able to recruit. But you're right. The personality part generally gets overlooked. And here's another hot take. Uh, I think Billy Gillespie was a fantastic X and O coach. He could have been. I, he just couldn't I, handle it. I, exactly. He couldn't handle it. He also is different types of players, uh, di- players that have different upbringings in terms of how they've been coached. You know, you don't get five-star guys who get screamed at uh, nonstop 
consistently. Five-star guys, when they were growing up, their coaches just told them yes pretty much to everything. Not that John Calipari is a softy that lets his players do whatever ever they, they want, but and you, you know, you, we've all heard the stories about Billy Gillespie and the yeah. drills that he'd run and the stuff that he would do to humiliate some of his players. He, he, with a three-star underdog who has been fighting his whole life for D1 offers and this and that, that stuff can work. And that's why he had some success at Texas A&M because he, he had the mold of a player that would respond well to that type of coaching. At Kentucky, that, that's not going to fly. It's not. And he didn't have the personality even away from the court doing radio shows and interviews and kind of fundraising for Kentucky. He, he just couldn't do all that stuff. Uh, we need to head to a commercial break. I'm going to come back and, and talk more about Mitch Barnhart and why you, even more more reasons why UK fans should be able to excuse the the Joker Phillips coach and waiting hire. Uh, which that was really bad. That was a lot worse than the Billy Gillespie. But hire. that made sense though, because he was a Kentucky kid. He had Kentucky ties. You were hoping that he would be the guy that it was if was successful would stay at Kentucky regardless of the other offers because of his Kentucky ties. So I understood. I thought you held a year long on him, but I understood completely why you made well, that move. Well, guess what? We're going to talk about that after the break. <laughs> so stick around here on fourteen fifty. The sports buzz. Also need to talk about some NBA combine stuff. So stick around. We'll be right back. Daylight. Yeah, I like that. Damon. Day, day Damon. Fighter of the night, man. Champion of the... Sun. Sun. You're a master of karate. And friendship <laughs> for everyone. A Dayman. That's it. Dayman. Oh. Fighter of the night, man. Oh. Champion of, of the sun. Oh, you're a master of karate and friendship for everyone. Hey, man. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. What is going on up here? I never know, man. Presented by Alan Electric. Going back to Philly, Philly, Philly. Going back to Philly. I don't think so. Going back to Philly, Philly, Philly. Going back to Philly, I don't think so. Going back to Philly, wildin', defilin', from Dallas, so violent, always in the sun. Going back to Philly, flippin' We're back. Really enjoyed, really enjoyed it, Trevor. I, I'm all for always sunny intros. Is there anything better in sunny than Dayman, though? I mean, is that not their signature... Their kind of their, their stamp on pop culture, I would say maybe if there was one thing you could put your finger on for their show. Uh, it's de- yeah, that, I I would I would say so. That's uh, the that episode is the best episode. 
Well, it also created another great episode where he did the uh, the day man uh, the, the, the theater show. Yeah, yeah, those those are probably the two best episodes. Uh, with Deke, I just wanted to make make sure everyone knows I have never had sex with a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> we we made our trivia name last week, Boy's Soul. <laughs> are well, you chewing gum? Do you he, have gum for everyone? <laughs> either we're our trivia names are either Troll Toll or or Boys Hole or Boys Soul. <laughs> Boys Soul, get it right now. <laughs> I feel like you're clearly trying. You're clearly saying, uh, "Oh man!" I love. That's, I don't know if you caught in the middle of that little clip. I love it. We're in the middle of their singing. He looks over, and of course, if you've seen the scene, you know what he's talking. What I'm talking about, but he kind of you hear him a little bit under the radar go. You want a little some of this? And he's like, no, no thanks. You hear him hit the the the, uh, the spray can again <laughs> in the middle of that song. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! And I, I another Charlie is easily the best character on Always Sunny, uh, or or Frank. But yeah. another great episode is when Charlie they're trying to win the award for being the the best bar, and I think the episode's called "The Gang Desperately Tries to Win an Award." Is that Have where they, they kidnap the guy from the newspaper? Uh, I. Yeah, no, that might have been when they got a bad review. Okay, you're right. That was a bad review when you're right. Yes, it was. This is the one where they wanted they go to the other bars and try to see how the the other bars do it. Oh, they, they, they try to mimic it. That's and the Charlie. Dust, that's the duster episode where he breaks out the uh, the jacket, the duster. Uh, is it? Yes, where Mac brings out the duster and he wants to wear it because they're sitting at the bar. He's like, "What's behind that door?" What I think what it say on it private. And he was Charlie was reading something else. I forget. Well, uh, oh, and the I think you're mixing them up even more. Okay. There's one episode where Charlie thinks it says pirate. Pirate, that's it, yeah. <laughs> and he asks if pirates are living in there because Charlie obviously can't read. Uh, but but in that one where they desperately try to win an award, Charlie writes a song and they all are scared that he's going to play it, and it actually ends up being really really good. But then they lock him in the basement anyways. I, th- <laughs> I think I'm mixing them up because I don't rem- I don't remember that. It might be one of the newer seasons I missed then. You got to watch this one. You would absolutely love it. And then he breaks through the floorboards, anyways. And he had been sniffing paint all day. And one of, oh, one of my favorite episodes that doesn't uh, well, obviously, Char- anything involving Charlie when he, uh, he when he adopts the kid to try to hook up with the waitress in the first season was a great one. And uh, I think when they, of course, they did Lethal Weapon Five. Was it was I think when they wrote Lethal Weapon Five was a great episode. But one of my favorite non-Charlie episodes that doesn't center around him was probably the Dennis System episode. It was on a couple nights ago. I think on WGN or something, which is hard to watch Sunday on any channel other than FX because they bleep, no, not only do they bleep out the few S bombs that they throw out in there, which is actually not a few, it's a lot. But I noticed they also, in some of the cable channels, they'll blow out a lot of signs and the, the, the things that are in the background of the bar. I don't know why they do it, but they do. But the dentist system might be one of my favorite episodes of all time as well. It was, uh, that, that one's fantastic. And there's so many funny parts of that, some parts that I probably can't. Quote on the radio, but you can never go wrong with Always Sunny or The Office. Well, uh, Office is Friday. We save that for Fridays only. I know. I know. I'm just saying you can't go wrong with either one of those. Should Sunny get its own day? Is that what you're telling me? I mean, we might have to. I mean, because I, I, what kills me, you don't watch Seinfeld. I still don't understand how you can't aggress the concept of how you don't like Seinfeld. But I might have to give Sunny its own day. I and mean, we might have to, maybe we'll make it Wednesdays of today. What better way to get you through hump day than... And hearing Charlie talk about uh, a nose nose candy and trying to buy uh, and trying to sell D- uh, Dennis off at a, at a country club as a man prostitute. Oh man, that's just it's a. I'm a, I'm probably gonna have to watch a little Always Sunny after this show. 
uh, if I can if I can get through some of my work. We just got out of the shower. Well, what'd you say? Me and my brother. I said he. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so we were talking Mitch Barnhart, and I kind of want to get through this because I want to talk about something else today. Although it's already been over an hour, and and we're and, and we haven't gotten to that. But uh, the Mitch Barnhart, I, I think UK fans that. I think there's some that just don't like him and never really will like him. If you want to, and a lot of UK fans, when I say this, say, well, I don't really care about that. If you look at the other sports, if you look at pretty much every sport that UK has to offer, it has improved under Mitch Barnhart. Now, I I think UK baseball needs to take the next step. Uh, the SEC is just a gauntlet, and they're going to get left behind if they don't if they don't start improving. Uh, so I'm not I'm not saying that they should fire Gary Henderson, but I think they need to strongly look at all their options. But they and, did lose a coach that took Mississippi State to the College World Series after he left. Uh, he, he went to Mississippi State, John Cohen, and and when he was at Kentucky, U, UK baseball was awesome. Yeah, uh, they were they were really really good, and there's no doubt in my mind that, that he wouldn't be having the same success here that he's had at Mississippi State. Uh, but I, I, that's 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 one thing about Mitch Barnhart that I would keep an eye on, but. Yes, hiring Billy Gillespie was probably a rushed and a bit of a desperate hire, uh, but keeping having Joker Phillips being the coach and waiting to me was a very bad decision. Not so much making Joker the coach that I can understand why you did it. Again, UK football had never really been better and not better in recent memory under Rich Brooks, Joker Phillips' offense was playing an exciting style of offense. And if you really want to cut in deep and look at all the the, the facts of the matter, it, it makes Joker Phillips' hire seem a little bit worse because, you know, who was really calling the plays here and there. And uh, Joker Phillips was known for his recruiting, but if you really look into it, uh, who these kids would first off UK's recruiting classes during that time weren't all that great and if you're looking at the kids who did commit and why they committed a lot of them weren't necessarily saying joker uh, but so if you want to really cut into the the details behind the hiring at the time it doesn't look nearly as good but I understand the hire here's the big mistake the, the huge mistake by Mitch Barnhart and, and it really maybe set joker up to fail for, for day one is one, naming him coach and waiting probably wasn't the smart thing to do. Now, yes, you maybe had to do that because he could have taken a job elsewhere. He could have left. Guess what? If a guy who was born in Kentucky, played at Kentucky, ends up leaving to take the head coaching job of, of Miami of Ohio, then so be it. If UK's head coaching job opens up at another later date and and he turns down the job then, then it wasn't meant to be, and, and that's that. I think you can you can let a coach walk if if he's supposedly a Kentucky guy and doesn't want to be there, then let him walk. But here was the big mistake was do, doing the coach and waiting because you didn't get the excitement, Trevor, of having a new coach. There was no there was no press conference for Joker Phillips. I remember when Mark Stoops was hired, it was a parade. You had you had the band there, you had everybody there welcoming him uh it, it got national news it created actually a buzz when joker took over i i remember when rich brooks retired nobody really even made a big deal about it because you already had you knew who your coach was going to be and that was pretty much that steve crackdorp was ex well there was excitement surrounding him on on his hire because it was you're right it's a new coach it was someone that you hadn't seen before it was a new toy you're a kid you get a new toy christmas you're excited you want to play with it right away 
you never got that feeling with nope. Joe Phillips. You never gave him that time to to let recruits know, hey, I'm in charge. Let recruits in Kentucky know, hey, I'm the guy. Look at me. There's excitement around UK football. We're moving this thing in the right direction. Rich Brooks did what we needed him to do. Now I'm taking us to the next level, and I can make these promises at this fun press conference with everybody there. Bring all the boosters in. Let's get that money flowing into UK football. Let's build some new stuff, and let's get the program moving in the right direction. He never got that moment, and you saw how it worked out. Now you see Stoops. And I, I think UK fans need to realize how good of a hire that was for, for Mitch Barnhart. I think Mitch Barnhart is uh, a great athletic director. I, I, I will say that time after time. He did make mistakes, but every co- every good athletic director should make mistakes. Let's not forget the women's softball and basketball team that have made huge strides forward in the last 10 years. Yeah. And there's, I mean, even women's basketball. You've got a coach that likely will be here for a very long time and will keep Kentucky competitive throughout. Uh, and yeah, you do have a, a women's softball team that was basically non-existent before Mitch Barnhart got there, and they make it to the uh, women's World Series last year. But that was the big mistake: was not letting Joker Phillips have that time, uh, have that moment to to kind of address the Commonwealth. You give Mark Stoops that time, and look now they're they're getting a new training facility. They've already upgraded, and they're uh, they're going to renovate Commonwealth. They're currently renovating Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, UK recruiting has never been better than it's been the last few years. And I'm not going to all pinpoint that directly on that press conference and that buildup, but there's no doubt in my mind that that didn't help. There, you, you got a sense of excitement. Like you said, Trevor, it's a new toy, and people wanted to play with it, and they, they liked what they saw with Stoops, and, and some of the boosters wanted to throw some money in, and there was actually a commitment to UK football where – when you transition from Rich Brooks to Joker, it was you got a hand-me-down toy. You got your big was, sister's uh, old old phone, as the uh, commercial says. It was boring as could be. It's just no excitement around it. Uh, Captain Arctic says Joker was so far above his head and almost was sad watching him on the sideline. And that doesn't. And even the press conference aside, Joker Phillips just wasn't really meant to be a head coach in the SEC. Uh, it wasn't going to work out for him. He was overhyped and overrated as a recruiter. He couldn't keep top talent to stay in the state or at least to travel down 64 and find their way to Lexington. It it wasn't going to work out ultimately, but you never really did give him that moment to generate a buzz and generate some excitement there. But So uh, so the whole Mitch Barnhart thing, I, I get why some UK fans don't like him, but I think ultimately they need to uh, they need to realize all the good that he's done that he has done for UK's program, one of the better athletic departments in the country. Sometimes you don't realize how good you have it till it's gone, though. Pave paradise and put up a parking lot. You paid attention to Joni Mitchell yesterday. Look at you growing. You're you're just growing musically and and in terms of pop culture, that it, it, just day by day with me. I swear. But by the time I'm done with you, you're gonna they're gonna think you're just a pop culture expert. So Trevor, as you all know, does a theme with the music every day. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious if anybody can tweet in to at T Walker Rivals and know what the theme is on the music heading to commercial breaks. Uh, we talked about it during the commercial break. I wasn't able to guess it, uh, but maybe if if you need one, well, I guess we we close out with with Nappy Roots, my, yeah. Happy Roots, so we won't be able to get one more song. By the way, a little uh, breaking news. Uh, the draws are in. American Pharaoh yeah. draws the rail, and but still coming out as a 4-5 to five favorite in the Preakness. Yep, and and, and I'm gonna, I was going to talk about that to, to close out the show. So the, the field has been set. American Pharaoh and the number one post, Dortmund number two. 
And then firing line is out in the eighth post, so he's the furthest one out. Only an eight-horse field. Being the being in the one post, Trevor, and an eight-horse field is not that big of a disadvantage. No. Um, I, I've seen some people on Twitter kind of freak out about that's going to hurt his triple crown chances. When it's only eight horses, it's not not an issue. Now, when it's 20 horses, like the Kentucky Derby, yes, uh, that's a big deal because you get pinned up against the rail and you've got 10 horses in front of you and a few horses behind you and you've got, ho- you've got three rows, four rows of horses to your side. That's a big deal because you can't get out of it at that time. Uh, when it's only an eight-horse field, if you if you start out of the gate slow, you've got plenty of time to maneuver outside if you want to do that. Uh, we're going to have a horse racing expert on tomorrow, so we'll talk more about it. So maybe not the most ideal draw for American Pharaoh, but not the end of the world. Dortmund, uh, who is going 7-2 to to start, or as of today, Wednesday, with the Preakness on Saturday. He will be right next to American Pharaoh at number two, and we know Dortmund's going to want to get out and get in the lead as soon as possible and hope to go wire to wire. And then Firing Line, who finished second in the Kentucky Derby, he's out again in the eighth post. So a, a, a small Preakness field, Trevor, but incredibly talented. Uh, American Pharaoh's going to need a, a stellar race to be able to have a shot at history in, I'm in pretty weeks. sure Big Brown was on the rail in either the Preakness or the Belmont, and, and I'm assuming it was Preakness since he lost in the Belmont. But I want to say he was on the rail. It might have been Derby, but I want to say it was one of those two that he won. He, he came out on the rail as well and was able to still win. I, I could be mistaken, though. I think Big Brown was in the 20th spot. Maybe that's what for, it was. For, it was near the Derby. end, yeah. For Derby, and then I don't know exactly where he was for the Preakness. Uh, he was in the seventh post, so that probably would have been close to the outside. Uh, so he was outside for for those two, and then I'm not 100 percent sure where he was for the for the Belmont. But and not to change subject, John. You know, we've got a few minutes, and we might you can talk about more tomorrow. But uh, of course, there's some sad news today, and it just it almost kind of just makes me think that. Is there many programs, at least in basketball right now, having a worse six months than North Carolina where you start with the, the loss of one of your biggest fans in Stuart Scott, then you lose Dean Smith. Today, unfortunately, Bill Guthridge passed away, the gentleman who took over for Dean Smith when he tra- when retired. And now on top of it, you may be looking at probation for your basketball program. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's a downward spiral diehard, right now in Chapel Hill. For diehard UNC fans, I'm sure this has probably been a pretty tough month or a tough year rather excuse yeah. me uh, a tough year so far with some of the losses that they've had in their in their basketball family uh, and just their at- athletic family uh, also you know not that it even is the equivalent to but uh, you also had a tough loss to end your season in a game that they yep. probably should have beaten Wisconsin and then like you said you do have the probation looming what is the NCAA going to say uh, it, it is sad and you you do feel uh, for UNC fans during during this time it, you just don't it, the NCAA could make this the worst year in UNC history if if they decide to it's not looking they say things come in three and of course with three passings but it could come in four with the uh, possible Punishment, and you said looming of a uh, of a uh, academic scandals heading towards North Carolina. It's not not a good time to be a Tar. There's been better ten years of Tar Heel fans. I'll say that much. Oh, there definitely has been. And with that being said, 
I'm so curious, Trevor, to see if they do a postseason ban for UNC basketball. They've never been hit with a postseason ban, if I'm not mistaken. I can't imagine they have been. I, I don't recall them ever being hit with one unless it happened in like the 40s because I know they were in the – I don't remember them getting one before. I don't remember North Carolina, of course, really ever getting hit with any kind of punishment, let alone a postseason ban in my lifetime. Well, the the thing is, again, they're going to probably be Basketball, preseason. Basketball, not football, of course. They're going to be preseason number one, maybe at worst top three. But what happened, and we've talked about it, that is definitely worthy of a postseason ban. Now, does the NCAA have the, you know, do they have the stuff to to really hammer it home? Uh, do they want to make ESPN mad by putting probation, the, the, the ESPN's probably 1A and 1B favorite team next to Duke on probation? I, that, I mean, if the NCAA really wanted to make a statement, they put UNC on, proba- on a postseason ban and don't let them go to the NCAA tournament when they would have probably been a number one seed and a, certainly a Final Four contender. They probably if got they, them on double secret probation like an animal house. Nah, I bet that's probably the case. Uh, we're out of time for today. Uh, Captain Arctic will let him have the last word. Says NCAA will go all sympathy and go easy on him. The title from 2005 should be vacated. I agree with that, and I also kind of agree with your first point, too, that uh, they, they might not be as harsh. It hasn't been... When the NCAA has come down heavy on some teams, it hasn't always been uh, maybe the right decision. So I, I wonder if they're going to be maybe a bit more lenient in this case. I don't know. They shouldn't be. What happened at UNC was a disgrace. So we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your Wednesday here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome Ride from the Ville to BG in my zone Let me hear you say High time, sitting by the river Got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor Cause people always trying to tell me how to run my life When they say I'm going wrong and I swear I'm going right uh. High time, sitting by the river Got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor